Let's hear cheers to a good show. Oh, yeah, yeah, to a good show. Cha-ching. I've got to drink that. Oh, yeah, can you too? Mm. Can't cheers and not drink. It's not a good, It's apparently not good, good luck. <sighs> we can't have that. We can't have that. All right. Well, here we are. And welcome to the Pager Train, brought to you by Still Searching Productions. Today, I have with me Amelia Tranter. Hello. Very happy to be here. Welcome to the Pagey Train. Um, Amelia is a actor, a um, uh, a collaborator, creative collaborator. You do TV, you do theatre, you do film. Wherever the work is, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I have um, uh, seen you on telly a little bit, though. Oh, that's right. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Well, I was doing a I was doing a job um, for Media Hub. And essentially, your job is to watch television all day while you program TV live to air. Yeah. Um, and I would see you early mornings on an insurance commercial. What was it? I think I've got it written here. Hold on. A real insurance. Yes. That's yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and I had another ad going at the same time, and it was mm. really quite weird that there was me in one ad and then me in the other ad at the same time doing totally different things. Was, was that the Woolies ad? That was the Woolies oh, ad. That was the Woolies ad, because I keep seeing you on the Woolies ad as well. Yeah. On all networks. Oh, really? Yeah, on all networks. You it's, were everywhere. It's so funny because obviously, how, I mean, how we met was you directed this really amazing web series that um, our, oh, our good friend Jay wrote. Um, and so that's where I know you from. But the fact that you've seen me more and the other stuff than the actual stuff that we did is kind of hilarious. Well, I edited um, uh, Mould as well. Oh, there you see, you've seen me for hours. Aren't you seeing hours. my face? Yeah, yeah. I have, I've seen plenty of you, Amelia. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's oh, a good thing. Absolutely. Uh, but look, uh, look, you're not alone, though. Um, uh, there's um, uh, so many uh, actors from uh, Western Sydney and Sydney that I've uh, seen on TV that are, have been yeah. made in the West and have been on projects it's that I've worked so on. It's so exciting to see people pop up on things and you're like, oh, just, you know, you've sort of been there in the trenches with them and to mm-hmm. see people go off and flower and have their own different adventures, it's always, I love it. So, yeah, it's, it's fun. Oh, it's, a bit, it's a bit of an intense roller coaster, though, right? Being an actor. Just being an actor in general. Yeah. Isn't life, isn't life a roller coaster for us? <laughs> life is a <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. It's totally. And um, but it's been, I guess, I you know, the roller coaster isn't over yet. So <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah I, I guess. But, but uh, like for instance, you know, a lot of us have day jobs, and then we chase our passions. Yes, I'm one of the really rare ones that doesn't have a day job. Mm. Touch wood. I don't want to jinx that uh, again. But um, no, yeah. I, I look. Everyone finds their own way in this industry, and I think mm. your own, whichever. Whichever whichever way life takes you, I think as long as you're making the right, getting the balance right, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess that's what we're going to have a chat about, isn't it? Just yeah, that's life what I mean. in that's, general. Well, that's, and but that's what I want to talk about, like going from um, having that day job and then going into being a full time artist, like yeah. you know, being an actor. That's that's incredible. Well, it's also really scary. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, yeah, I bet. it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also I'm also in a position where like if I had, um, I think if I was in a position where I had dependents that I needed to sort of take care of, I think that would have shaped my choices a little bit differently. And mm-hmm. if that happens in the future, then maybe I'd also be rethinking what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just, oh, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, um, I don't have any words of wisdom. I think you just have to. I mean, I, I have some. I have some experiences and adventures that I've learned along the way. But mm-hmm. but I think everyone has to sort of find their own path. And there's no there's no easy answer because if there was, I would have figured it out already. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, yeah, well, perhaps not words of wisdom. Just your experience in that. Like, what's the what's the? Uh, how does it feel to go and do that? 
Um, well... So I understand, like, there's the, the difficult side of doing things, yeah. but there's, there's got to be a reason why you're doing it. There is a reason, and it's not all logical. So I think, I mean, first up, if you can be happy doing any other profession, you should do it, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I think that would, yeah, that that would save you a lot of pain along. But if, if, but if this if this art chooses you, I think if, if you have to do it and you, you have that desire inside of you, then... The question is, how do you best honour that within the resources that you have, or within the or within the circumstances that you're in? And it changes, like, you know, um, yeah, it totally changes. I'm just trying to. There's not been a linear journey for me. Like, I mean, despite all of my, um, despite the fact that I'm quote unquote an actor, like, I never thought that I'd end up being one. I really never, mm-hmm. I never did. And then, but then going back on my life, I was like, actually, oh, actually, the first paid work I ever did was technically as an actor in commercials and when oh, I was really? 10. Yeah. Was what was like, the one that you did when you were 10? Oh, okay, so, well, back in track to my life beginning, I was born in Westmead, mm-hmm. so in Western Sydney. Um, mm-hmm. Grew up in Sydney for a while and then at the ripe old age of eight years old, mm-hmm. I um, <clears throat> my dad packed my mum and my sister and I in a repurposed ambulance Mm-hmm. And drove us all the way from Sydney to Cairns. Like one of those old school, like um, St. John's <laughs> yes. sort of airboats. No, no, it was really funny. There was no, um, you know, they have all the sort of signage and everything on it. It was totally like all of that was stripped and it was painted white. But because it was an ambulance, people mm-hmm. used to move out of the way for us. So literally all the way from Sydney to Cairns, my dad would just be driving in this car. <laughs> and we'd be like, and people would pull over and it was like the best. But I mean, at this, that was brilliant. But he also had two kids who were very young and only a cassette player. And he had two cassettes. And so we played two cassettes all the way from Sydney to Cairns. One was one was John Farnham's um, Whispering Jack. So, you know, take the pressure down. Like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Take the pressure da, down. Da, da, yeah. Da, da. Yeah, that's it. For hours and hours wow. and hours. Wow. And I, hours. I can relate. I've listened to a lot of uh, uh, John Farnham. Oh, man. I just. When I was younger, through I my love, parents, yeah. That's it. And, you know, and it comes on the radio and it's like, no shame, man. Wind down the window and just, you know, belt it out. Do you remember the other. What was the other cassette? The other cassette. Oh, yeah. It was, um, it was African. It was an African choir of some kind called Shaka Zulu. I don't know if that was the name of the cassette or if that was the name of the band, but mm-hmm. they didn't have any. Um, they didn't have any backup instruments. It was just them. Doing all these beautiful, amazing American, uh, American African rhythms, and mm-hmm. it was that was it. Those are the two cassettes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> from you got- Sydney to Cairns, but people pulled over so we, uh, while we were driving. So. So two years. So you move up so, to Cairns. So I moved up to what, Cairns. What year, what year was that? You moved to Cairns when you were eight. What year was that? Ah. Uh, no, no, it wasn't like that. Well, <laughs> I guess I ask. I guess I ask. You're right? typecasting me. No, Ross? I'm not. I'm, okay. Yeah. Okay. I won't ask that. I won't ask that. Like. Um, <laughs> I was okay. I'll tell you when I was in Townsville. Yes. If you're in Cairns, you've probably been to Townsville, right? Yes. Um, in fact, I think I recall <laughs> an ambulance of that description in no, Townsville. No. Like now you've mentioned that. No. I was there between 2000 and 2005. Oh God, I was not eight in 2005. There's no way. <laughs> well, that makes me feel. Wait, the, is my maths right? Yeah. No, no, no. I was an adult. I was an adult then. So, but actually, that's really funny because jumping ahead now, I mm-hmm. studied in Townsville. Um, after high school, so mm-hmm. that that wouldn't have crossed over either, I don't think. Yeah, but um, what was the university there? That's the James Cook. James Cook. Yeah, we had a lot of um, we had a lot of um, 
guys in camo at mm-hmm. my dorm and we used to play the worst. We used to be, well, I mean, it's not a really bad joke. Mm-hmm. We're not that evil. But, um, yeah, they used to sort of come along into the mess and take their food and we used to all pretend that we couldn't see them. And, yeah, okay. oh, my gosh, it's a floating tray. This is such crap for being in their camo outfits. Totally. But, anyway, yeah. Oh, mate, I, fun I, time. I can relate. I was, a, I was an AJ in Townsville. Um, <laughs> you were. Yeah. You were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, an AJ is an army jerk. Yeah. That's the one. Um, yeah, I actually, I played a gig at James Cook University. What did you play? What? I was in a heavy metal band in Townsville called Leaving Metropolis. Oh, my goodness. So, it would have been about 2002 I played a gig there. Okay. No, that no, it doesn't cross over, unfortunately. Yeah. No, no, no. But yeah. close, very close. Yeah, I, I was, a, a renowned story about that was um, I was, uh, we were caught up on a stage because yeah. the band was on before us and then yeah. we, and I you know, sort of calculated when we were up. And I miscalculated. I was at the bar getting a jug of beer mm. and uh, I could hear people yelling my name. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm like... Oh, I'm on stage. I've got to I get up there. So I took the jug of beer with me and I because did the Because, of course. Why? Of course you would. It was That's, a uni gig. Yeah. It was a uni gig. Well, you need uni hy- gigs are always hydration. Lose. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> uni gigs, was it, fu- was it a fun play? Oh, like, totally. To play? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a really receptive crowd. I don't mind the crowds from um, Queensland. They're really cool. They are very cool. Well, and oh, speaking of, yeah. Um, I've done one on a car park. I've done a gig in a car park there. Have you? Yeah, on, um, what is it, Flinders? Flinders Street. Flinders Street. You've got the Flinders Street Mall and at yes. the other end there's a car park yes. near a nightclub there. Yeah. There's a night... Oh, my gosh. The did a gig in that I... car park. Did you... I did a gig in a bus shelter once. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was totally... That was in Northern Territory West. It's funny, isn't it? You have the same... You know, where you play, I guess, you sort of have the material and wherever you gig, it sort of... Where you gig, I think, changes the nature of mm. what you're doing as well. And Yeah, d- d- it definitely has an effect. Um, I guess, um, especially if you're writing the material as well um did you write some material yeah yeah it was an original band yeah 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 um so yeah i I, um, I always do the lyrics i write most of the lyrics for the bands that i'm in yeah um, but what else can you can you play an instrument? I, oh no, no way. Um, uh, I cannot play guitar, although I have tried. Can um, you act like you can play a guitar? I can act like I can play a guitar. Yeah, well, there you go. I can do that. I, I can do that. But too. I can't actually play a guitar. Oh. I can play a little bit of drums, <laughs> but if my band's listening, they know that that's also a lie. It's a lie. Um, I can do a little bit of drums, but not enough to play in a band. Okay. Yeah. I can keep a 4-4 four, four beat for well, about a minute, look, maybe. I mean, <laughs> hashtag goals, man. You gotta, that's that's something to be... Oh, it's all practice. That's you just right. got to practice. Um, you don't have the time for it, right? You, just, you know, life is finite. It's 24 hours in a day, mm-hmm. and whatever you put your energies on is what you'll, where you'll develop your strengths in, right? Well, they say uh, 10,000 hours to become an, uh, an expert. So anything you do for 10,000 hours, apparently how you're an expert. How many years does that translate to? I don't know. It depends how many... Divided by 24 hours How long, long you're working on it? Like, yeah. I don't know. Hey, I don't know. We, we need to figure that out, mate. You've got a calculator there, buddy. <laughs> how many... How, just uh, Google it. How many hours in a year? Let's let's work this out. If yeah. you work 24-7, yes. how long does it take you to become an expert? To become an expert. <laughs> Can you do it in a year? Surely 10,000 hours exist in a year, right? I'm not a mathematician. I should probably know this. You should. You're a smart cookie. You went to uh, supposedly. <laughs> no. no, but what were you studying? Why, why Nate's looking at that? What were you? Oh, okay. Studying well, at we'll uh, James go back Cook. To the, well, okay, we'll even bring it back further when I was. I'll take you back later. to the commercial. Yeah, because you're probably feeling like, why are we not even talking about the commercial? Um, yeah, so I moved to Cairns, and with the exception of a year in Townsville and a year where I lived in Malaysia, I pretty much spent my formative years growing up in Cairns, mm-hmm. well, north of Cairns actually. Um, 
bloody hot oh, up gosh, there. Oh, gosh, you've got to ask me about crocodiles. Um, yeah, we had I a... I know about crocodiles, yeah. about crocodiles. Yeah, I do. Croc- cockroaches freak me out a little bit more than crocodiles, I have to say. Oh, yeah. I've become very accustomed to... I mean, they, now that I'm back in, I've been back in Sydney for quite a while, that, that's, that, that still balance pretty bad. is changing. It's, yeah, it's definitely but I learned some survival skills that, nice, you know... Because you know, we used to have a um, we used to have a crocodile that would sunbake in the middle of our road. Mm. And what what do you do when you come across a crocodile sunbaking in the middle of your road? I don't know. Tap it on the tail. question. Tap it on the tail. No. <laughs> Run like hell. No. <laughs> well, what you, you could. You could. I have no idea. What do you do with a? Cro- is this a joke? <laughs> no, is this like true story? You know, chicken across the road, no, and then no. there was a crocodile. We, I used to live in a <laughs> suburb called. Yorkie's Knob, which I love, and I have fr- people still there. And mm-hmm. um, but um, it was named after. Well, legend has it that it was named after a guy called Bill Yorkie. Um, he lost his arm to a crocodile, and there's like a little, <laughs> there's a little hill at the end of it, and they named that after the stump of his arm. So that's where I lived, and the crocodiles were so rife there. <laughs> like, yeah, wow. And the other thing, oh, well, I'll answer the a the question, the answer to the question, what do you do when you see a crocodile like mm-hmm. in the middle of the road? Is you slow down, and you drive around it, and you keep going. Yeah, well, I imagine that. Oh, well, yeah. no, I'm sorry. I, I pictured walking up to it. No, like, I didn't know I was in a car driving. in this well, analogy. And the other thing too, well, and okay, another question. If you're on a beach, yeah. well, hypothetically, Yorkie's not beach, and there's you've got um, stinger net. You know those stingray net? The stinger oh, yeah. nets that you can sort of see it. If you see a crocodile sunbaking on the stinger net, mm-hmm. what, like, and then it slides into the water, <laughs> do you go into the water? No. That, that is That's the correct a, answer. That, that is, is the a correct big answer. no. Yes, but there have been a number of backpackers that would routinely get into trouble because they would be drunk and decide that they would chance it. And I'm like, anyway. That's chance it with the crocodile. No crazy thanks. Crazy town. Yeah. Well, uh, my crocodile story was from Townsville. I was, uh, I think, 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Um, first first taste of a little bit of freedom, a little bit of money in my pocket. So yeah. I've gone to the pub, clearly. Yeah. And then um, I miscalculated how far Laverick Barracks was from Flinders. So I thought, I'll walk it. And then I got half, you know, not even halfway. I got to a certain point in that journey and I'm like, I'll just sleep in this park for half an hour. Woke up and it's the dawn, right? Yeah. So I fell asleep (laughs) in this park, and um, (laughs) which I do not advise, by the way. And then I woke up and I look up and there's this sign that says, beware crocodiles. Like, and then I told a friend that story. They're like, "You slept in the park under, like there, like yeah. that, that was dangerous, man." It's I'm like, "Pretty dangerous." Well, you could have gotten eat, be, uh, taken by a man eater, and then you yeah, like, could have been, yeah. Fuck, <laughs> that's intense. It's, it's just just a little, <laughs> just bit. a little bit, just a little bit. All right, so well, we're you in- know the other. Oh, I was gonna, you know the other thing though. Mm-hmm. If you like, crocodiles are actually very. Uh, their jaw muscles are pretty um, powerful when they're clamping down on something. So mm-hmm. if you if you've got your arm already sort of encased in in a crocodile jaw you have very little chance of being able to prize it off you mm-hmm. but if the crocodile jaw is shut you could actually hang on to it with your own hands and you'll be able to prevent it from opening because it's actually quite weak that is a really good tip that's a good survival tip. that is a fantastic if there's tip. anything anyone takes away from this today it's if you ever come across a crocodile yeah yeah if, if a crocodile bites you clamp it clamp <laughs> no, it don't, cro- don't let it bite you clamp it before it can open its well jaws. no it's a big if you're like you've <laughs> you've ended up in a scenario where you've got a crocodile biting you yes. i think you should you know you, you've got to reevaluate how you got there to yeah, begin that with is true. but don't you're in that situation in parks. do not sleep in parks do not sleep in parks in townsville to, yeah it's dangerous <laughs> You're all, you're all learning as we go, man. All right, so let me take you back to Cairns. So you so ended up Cairns. in a TV commercial. Well, what was that TV commercial well, for? The TV commercial wasn't in Cairns. It was actually in Malaysia. So with this, so moved to um, Cairns for a while. Then okay. My, so my father was an aircraft engineer, mm-hmm. and um, he got a posting. Um, so Butterworth. My, no. No. Okay. Anset. Anset. Okay. <laughs> yes. 
That was very sad when that in, uh, when when Ansett collapsed. Uh, people, uh, there used to be another airline out there called Ansett. Yeah. If you don't know about it, uh, check it out. And it was brilliant. There was amazing people who were part of that, and yeah. Yeah, no, that was a mass. A whole bunch of people got fired. Like the whole yeah, a whole airline just shut down overnight. Yeah, yeah. it was devastated a lot of people. Um, my dad was one of them. Mm. But um, but yeah, back before when it was the halcyon days of everything was fine yeah the competition of Qantas yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah we he had a posting um in Malaysia my mum um my mum was born there so mm-hmm. it was a chance to get to meet her side of the family and I got scouted I got scouted I think I was 10 10 or 11 I spent in my t- um in Malaysia and I can't even remember the first ad I think it was a um a clothes modeling thing I'm, okay. like, I'm just no idea about stuff like that then and then I got a Barbie ad um, and I also got a, a Malay a banking ad. Um, those are the three that I remember. And um, yeah, so so two of them TV commercials, and and I had to play. I was the daughter of you know the happy family in the banking. Yeah, ad. And yeah. then with the Barbie one, it was me and another girl. Um, you know, sort of doing hula dancing and playing with our Barbies, and it was shot in Penang. And I remember that. You know, like all I knew at the time mm-hmm. was that I was getting time out from school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really well catered, and as a pre-tween like person who loved her food it was mm. just amazing yeah, hollow cool. legs and um and i think with the clothing ad i got um i got free clothes out of that as well which is really fun mm-hmm. and um it was just fun meet new friends do something different and i never really it was just an extracurricular activity like i never i never ever studied drama in school mm-hmm. not in primary school or in high school mm-hmm. and i um, I studied, you know, I was going to, I studied two math subjects. I was going to be a, do- you know, I was going to do a normal job and because I had the marks for it. So. Spinny story. I actually, <laughs> these shorts, these shorts, I bought these in Penang. Did you? Yeah. I bought these shorts in Penang. They look like Penang. army camo. Yeah. Kind of. Oh, wait, I can't see your legs. What's happening? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 you're, yeah floating, right. you're floating you're in the floating, chair. You don't have any, yeah, what's going on? Um, you bought them in Penang? Yeah. <gasps> yeah, I was over in Penang in like uh, 09, I think. Oh, no. Oh, wait. That's yeah. 10 years ago? Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. i got to wander around for a day. It's been an absolute fortune. Oh, I know, but it's beautiful, right? Yeah, Penang's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah totally recommend yeah. it for totally anyone. Totally recommend it. Yeah. Um, oh, but, feel- yeah, but that's where, I, that's where I first... And then I went back and had my normal... But mm. Went back to um, high school... Uh, went back to primary school, then went to high school. Mm-hmm. Oh, my second job was a flautist, actually. 12 years old. In the in the concert. Do you mean playing a flute? Yeah, playing a flute. Is that what you call someone who plays a flute? A, a flautist? So. Yeah, I, a well, I don't think so. It's not a flutist. It wasn't, it wasn't like no, a proper I do job. It was like that three. is correct. It's flautist. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, twelve years old, right? But it was like um, three weeks, and it was the Christmas season, and so they hired a bunch of the kids to play Christmas carols, and mm. it was pocket money. It was fantastic, and we got to be like little musicians. So that was wow. my next job. So my super first, cool. Yeah. So gosh, I was already working at the age of 12, ten or eleven, twelve. Um, yeah, and then just a couple of more normal jobs after that like I did some te- um, teaching assisting after school for a learning co- um, like an educational company because mm. I was a precocious little nerd and really loved my maths. being a nerd well I think I'm more towards the, being a nerd. the geek side of things yeah total geek but geeks and nerds get along geeks and nerds <laughs> they have so much in common yeah and um, and then how did I gosh what was the question I don't even know what I was doing um, yeah. oh, so you're doing commercials over in uh, Malaysia yeah. yeah went back did went to not halt school like a normal kid with a, with a couple of you know Christmas jobs um, mm. and um and then, oh, I did, um, my first work experience was actually as an aircraft engineer. So my, for my workplace training, it was 15, 14 or 15, because mm-hmm. I was going to thought about following in the footsteps of my father. So mm-hmm. I got placed at um, Hawker Pacific, uh, which is a lovely, um, which is a little airline company up there. I'm not sure if they're still up there. Um, I think they are. And mm-hmm. learned how to, my, the, fir- the very first spark plugs I learned to change was not a car, it was an aeroplane. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it now. Like, I did it under supervision. It was all very exciting. Yeah, but you'd still get it. I reckon you'd figure yeah. it out, right? Well, you'd have to be able to figure like it out. Like Homer Simpson, when I learn something new, something old falls out of my brain. This hard drive has only got so much capacity. I always have so. that fear, but I don't think it's true, though. I don't think you lose it. If you're no, passionate about information, yeah. you hold on to but it. But you can get rusty and foggy, and you sort of need to read up and stuff. Oh, totally. Like you get foggy, but it's yeah. always in there. And I think that's where that, you know, that saying, um, you know, uh, it's like riding a bike. Once you get back yeah. on it, you're riding the bike again. Yeah. Like, if we, if we, we had like you know an emergency landed on some island somewhere yeah and the you know the pilot was out of it and i was on a plane with you and they uh, you, you you could look at the engine and go need the spark plug i reckon you'd be able to figure it out well i would remember <laughs> something about the wing flaps going up and down as to how you sort of but no i, d- I don't know or mm-hmm. or i would probably default to all the movies that i've seen mm-hmm. where they're going how do i lay in the plane what, what, name any what kurt russell movie from the 80s um not, or- yes that was um Oh, this has come up before on the show, has actually. It? Yeah, um, executive decision. decision. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah wow. Yeah, yeah. Pull that one out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Stephen Skull dies really quickly in the movie. That's right. And, yeah, and, and it he, shocked everyone. Yeah, well, they open it up with a he, um, uh, Kurt Russell is flying, you know, a little uh, little Cessna. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's got to land a jumbo jet at, at the same airport uh, where he was learning to fly. Oh, and that's yeah. not the only airline in the Sky Disaster movie. There was another one starring, who was the, um, was it Harrison Ford as the president? No. Get off my plane. Yeah, no. who, which one was that? Gary Oldman was the uh, Air Force One. Was Air Force Yeah. So I can't believe I know these movies. I don't know. I don't know what's worse that you're bringing them up or that i know the names of them (laughs) it's the stuff that shapes you though isn't it the pop culture yeah totally but though i know like you sound like i sound like an old person where you go you know the the movies aren't the same as when i was younger you know know. they don't make them like they used to they don't they don't oh i've actually (laughs) i've I've unpacked that with myself you know because you only sort of reflect on the movies that you remember you don't remember the crap movies that you saw no that's true oh no there are some crap movies you can remember oh the bottom of the crap movies but the the, the mediocre the wrong reasons yeah the one in between awesome and crap you'll get those that scale but the middle scale you tend to forget but that's but isn't that part of what made you want to end into this industry because you sort of you know the impact of that some of these films had on you would have no doubt inspired you in some way or planted a um, seed? Yes and no. Like, I think I fell ass backwards into it. I never planned to do this. I didn't. It wasn't a plan. Yeah. Um, I just knew that I wanted to change career. I knew that I wanted to get an education. Yeah. Um, because I was involved with um, uh, doing music, yeah. uh, I wanted to do something with sound and I was really interested in Foley art, actually. Really? Yeah. I'm actually a Foley artist. I do Foley. I love doing Foley. Everyone needs a good Foley artist. It is uh, really kooky and geeky. It's right up my alley. Yeah. Um, But I ended up directing a a short film uh, uh, um, as a volunteer. I just volunteered to do a a short film because no one else put their hand up. So I... I said, just, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll give it a shot. And I realised that it was very similar to my uh, uh, you know, um, uh, older profession of uh, being a soldier. It's very similar. Really? How so? Tell me. Uh, what do you call it when you um, take a photograph? Photography? No, no. <laughs> Is that the one right single, answer? One single photo could be taken as a, as a shot. You, oh, you take yeah. a shot through a camera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you look through an aperture. You zoom. That's true. You call action. That's true. Yeah, all, it's all of these military terminology. And if you look through the history of it, yeah. it actually comes out of the... Um, that's why it's production. It's a production line, right? It comes out of um, uh, propaganda from when propaganda was really born. I didn't know that. Yeah, totally. Uh, um, film was a militarised idea. There's so many crossovers with the military and art. Like uh, camouflage, for instance, is um, cubism um, from uh, Picasso. 
Um, if you look at, you know, they used to paint ships on the horizon, so you couldn't tell which direction they were going. Mm. They were employing artists to paint those ships. Um, drill, you know how you have military drill? Mm. It's done to music. It's done to the beat of music. That's there is, true. There are a lot of intersections when you look at um, art in the military. I um, you've just blown my mind, Ross. <laughs> I need a moment to well, process well, that even, and go off and look. Well, in uh, you know, in trench warfare, when they used to go to a battlefield, yeah, um, to align um soldiers for the battle, yeah, they would use um ballet. What? Yeah, drill is derived from ballet. True story. Yeah. And ballet is done to music. So they were actually employing artists mm. how to organise soldiers on a battlefield and their answer was by creating steps yeah. and conducting those steps and initiating those orders yeah. through music, through bugles, through drums. Because you can't just shout across a battlefield. No, you can't. You, you, can't. you need to be able to communicate with the entire field and, that's, and they well, use music to do so. I guess it's, it's a, a dance. dance. That's right. That's so profound, man. Yeah, there is a, there is a, and then, and one feeds into the other. Like, yeah. um, uh, obviously, well, there's a discipline obviously related to both. Yeah, and film is one of those intersections. When you look at the propaganda machine that's out there, yeah. it's an art. It's, it takes artistic prowess to do propaganda. Yeah. Oh gosh, we studied propaganda. Well, I just I'm just thinking back to my performance studies and. Um, just well, also my philosophy as well, just with regards to just art being used for nefarious mm-hmm. means. <laughs> <laughs> Not that all propaganda was necessarily nefarious, but yeah, that's true. But well, I think uh, if you look at, um, for instance, um, the Nazis, right? So yes, if you look that's at exactly what I was coming. If back you look to at the Nazis, man, if you look at footage of the Nazis, it was very well planned, very well shot. Yeah. Um, and it was always shot with power shots of, um, obviously, um, Hitler was always shot from a lower angle up. To make him look bigger. I think you're talking. Are you talking about the um, production that I'm thinking, which I cannot remember the name of? But the the lady who who made it was Lenny Riefenstahl. She made this video that was so beautiful. It was horrifying because the content mm. was glorifying Nazism. But yeah. Um, but it was yeah. That, I mean, that was one of the things we interrogated in our philosophy, okay. one of our philosophy classes around beauty being subverted, and you know what she made was objectively very impressive in terms mm-hmm. of. But it was essentially glorifying for a, something. Yeah, for a sinister cause. Horrifying. Yeah, yeah, sinister cause, you, right? Yeah, but I can't remember the name of it, which is which is appalling because it was very it was very famous for not the right not good reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, but that's I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, but about. it's another one of those intersections. And it, ooh, gosh, I'm <laughs> knocking everything over. It's one of those. Um, uh, um, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate. Um, mm. I think um, painters painting ships yeah. and getting employment is a fortunate thing. Yeah. Um, employment of artists. But then yeah. you look at the application of that and the reason for that. So, yeah, I think yeah, it's one of those things where it's um six and one and a half a dozen in the other. You can see the bonuses to it, and yeah. you can see obviously the downside to it. Um, but when you look at art, um, after war as well, especially after World War One, World War Two, um. Art is very bleak. It's very droll because you know people are depressed after major events like that. Yeah, I think you can even say um, similar about nine eleven. Like art changed after nine eleven. It became you know um, it wasn't the same as it was before. Well, I think with any major event that has massive impact on society, that definitely mm. filters down into the into the cultural consciousness, doesn't it? Although, mm. mind you, there'd be counter... I, I imagine there'd be sort of counter-artistic movements to that. Like, I think in World War Two, was it? You know, uh, I just I was just reading an article with some comic book... Uh, you know, like comics... Mm. Uh, and, oh, gosh, I'm so not an expert, but this is all really exciting. Doesn't matter. Fascinating, yeah. Um, but... Uh, you know, just how some women were portrayed um, in terms of, like, 
before the war movement and then during the war movement mm-hmm. and how stuff in popular culture, which I think at the time one of those was comics, was just the narrative change to encourage women to get out there and do the jobs that men needed to do. And, yeah. Well, that, they, that men used to do, but then they were all away. And then, you know, and there was, I guess there was some empowerment in that because women were sort of um, unshackled from their, the, the traditional Yeah, they, they put they them into steelworks. Yeah. Like, uh, because the, um, being in steelworks yeah. was, um, you know, especially in a, a patriarchy, was the um, privilege of a man, right? Um, if the men are off to war, they need yep. someone to make Absolutely. the steel. And the same thing happened in, um, in the plastic revolution as well, because then all the women working in steel, and then the men go, "I'll oh, work in the plastic factories." I didn't know. I don't know about the plastic revolution. Yeah, um, I, I know you can have another. Again, you can look at these things two ways. Yeah. Men started figuring out working in the plastic industry was bad for you, so they went back to the steel and said, "Hey, <laughs> you guys got to work in the plastic uh, oh, industries, right?" Dastardly. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, that that's they, these are things that happen in 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 industry and. Yeah. In, in humanity, unfortunately. Yeah. But, man, we have digressed. Yeah, where were we before that? Um, we got to... Uh, we've left Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> and we're on, we're on our way to... Flautist. How did we're I become it, an actor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a flautist. <laughs> Age 12, so it wasn't really a proper job. <laughs> <laughs> but it counted. I it was like paycheck, man. It was exciting. So you got paid for that as well? We got paid. It was like all the little... It was the, it was me and a couple of other 13... I think I must... I might have been the only 12-year-old because I, I was a year younger for my year. I got put up a grade mm-hmm. when I went from Sydney to Cairns because the, the year system is a bit different. Um, in Queensland, they start high school in year eight mm. and here they start in year seven. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The other way around. So it's year seven here. So... Yeah, when I was... Um, I do that in WA as well. Do year they? Eight, yeah. yeah, so for, well, for whatever reason, I was in year three when I moved up and then they jumped me to year four and then I went to and then I went to Malaysia and it was all confusing. So I started high school at 12. Yeah, that's why I graduated young, I think. Um, but yeah, they paid us. Yeah. I'm going to exploit child labour at the shopping centre. I don't know what they paid us. It was five bucks an hour or something, but they paid That's us. still pretty good. That was... Yeah. Five bucks an hour sure. when you're 12. Three hours after yeah. school. <laughs> Raking it in, man. What yeah, are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's my career sorted. <laughs> Three weeks in December, uh, every Christmas. Um, and then what did I do? I, I had a part-time job after school teaching. I think I've said that already. Um, yeah. Assisting. Oh, that's right. Um, one of my students at this... Kumon after school thing. His name was Jesse and he was a very, very sweet young kid and he ended up getting a role on a production called Paradise Road, mm-hmm. which is directed by Bruce Beresford. Yeah. Starring Glenn Close and it was uh Kate Blanchett's very first feature. Wow. And he was like, You gotta apply. I'm like, I don't know how to act, I don't know. And I was too shy to apply to audition. Anyway, I thought, fine, I'll just rock up. It could be pocket it could be fun and I just but I was too shy so I got my photo taken and I got um I got a job as an extra so my very first job as an extra Mm -hmm. was on Paradise Road as I was a little I was a young school kid um Mm -hmm. uh and I got to meet Glenn Close wow and I and you know how I got to meet Glenn Close standing in the line for the porta potties like the porta loose like Mm -hmm. it was in the toilet the line for the toilet that I got to meet this amazing actress and of course, my little, um, my very young tween brain is like totally unable to handle it. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think I starstruck overload. Oh, you know, and she made some comment about like the weather or something really generic, and I just remember that I had such a cool response. It was like, it's <laughs> 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 like that was it. That was the extent of my ability to respond to her. Um, but the main things that stood out from that, that I think that. Um, was that shot in Australia? That was shot in Australia in Port Douglas. Mm-hmm. So that's why they were looking for local talent. And, oh, that's right. Um, I think I was the only young girl on that because the one I was only on set for one day, and it was a prisoner of camp, uh, prisoner of war, uh, women's uh, 
like a POW camp mm-hmm. for women. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Glenn Close is one of the prisoners and all that. And I think I was the youngest, but I had like, I had big hair. And at some point when I was in um, uni in Townsville, I remember mm-hmm. seeing a promo for the show. And I was like, oh, that's my hair. That's my <laughs> hair when they're bang. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I had year, and the, but I could never bring myself to see the movie until many, many, many years later. And then I think they cut that one shot out. So I don't think I even made the movie, but, but there yeah. was, there was You're a in promo, promo in Cairns. I was like, that's my hair. Everybody else's hair was tied back. And everyone's like, yeah, sure. It's your hair. Yeah. No, that was me. <laughs> I knew exactly where I was. Um, but it was like, you know, it, because I didn't know, like I'd had a couple of experiences when I was like 10 or 11 and it was all kind of fun and games and, and this was my first experience on like a real live movie set, big budget, lots of cast, like massive cast, because Frances McDormand was one of them as well. There was a, a ton of amazing female talent, not to mention in the big war scene, the prison camp scene that I was in, there was a ton of extras. And, you know, I just, Bruce Paris would, was just, the way he led the set, I just, that was an experience in itself. The way that, um, you know, Glenn... You know, she just she was so nice, and I remember looking, and she was actually a little bit shorter than me as well. That was one of the things going through my frazzled mind was, oh my gosh, you know, because back then in the nineties, you know, a lot of the magazines um, were Claudia Schiffer and Cindy Crawford and all these beautiful women, but all of them were white, all of them were really tall, all of them really thin, and that didn't fit who I was. And I just remember, you know, that was the definition of success. I think in the magazines that as a kid I absorbed, mm-hmm. and coming on this set and seeing this woman who a wasn't six foot tall. Um, oh, and, I, and also on top of that, the other programming I'd got was you hear all the supermodel um, diva demands and all. You know, you have to be really an awful human. On which is, I mean, I'm sure it's just media stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, there was this sort of illusion of what it meant to be a successful woman in the in the in the industry in the, in or well, famous or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. I met this woman who was so down to earth, so kind, just a genuine human being, didn't look like Claudia Schiffer. Th- and, no, and, you know, Claudia Schiffer is beautiful, but not everybody, you know, you can still be successful and be you. And I think that was the that was the seed that got me going, oh, my gosh, maybe, maybe I could do something like this. Mm-hmm. And I also got to see Kate Blanchett in her first ever role. Like, yeah, she I haven't seen this movie. Paradise Road, directed Paradise Road. by Bruce Beresford. Yeah, I'll check it out. And yeah, and only like there's this amazing, oh, there's some amazing acting in that. It's just amazing. It's actually a really fantastic movie. You yeah. seen this? I've seen it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it just you know, and but again, I didn't really know much. I didn't learn about acting so much as I got to just be in the company of some pretty amazing artists mm-hmm. who just helped plant new seeds as to what it might might mean to be an artist. So yeah, I didn't really great. learn how to. I didn't know how to act. I learned how to bow with poofy hair <laughs> and I learned how to laugh like an idiot lining up outside a toilet but that was yeah <laughs> all right so you've gotten back to so that was one experience that was one that was one experience one experience one day on set but um and then we move on to trying to be a normal person again yeah yeah what is a normal person I don't know what that is I I'm tra- I've been working on it yeah um and then what happened then um Oh, and that was the seat. And then um, I auditioned for the high school musical, which I'd never, I'd never sung in my life. I'd never done drama classes. I was doing, I was a chemistry. This, this is in Australia. School. Yeah, this is in high school. Yeah. So I somehow got that. I don't know how that happened. And that was that was really fun. And but then, but even then, like so, I guess there's this underlying yearning to be part of the arts. But then my logical brain was like, no, no, study your maths B, study your maths C, study your physics, study your chemistry, study your I studied Indonesian as well, and, and like every other thing, but drama was what I studied at, at school. You studied Indonesian as well. <laughs> yeah. Why did you take on the Indonesian? Well, because my because Indonesian um, for those people who don't know, Indonesian and Malay are almost 
the same language. Okay. And so when I was in Malaysia at 10 or 11, we had, um, like, we had a nanny sort of made uh, lady looking after us and she could only speak Indonesian. Mm. And so I kind of learned a little bit and that's my mother, my mother's country's main language and I just wanted to, you know, okay. learn that. Yeah. But there was a lot of languages that were taught at school. Like the other thing, um, we learned um, an Aboriginal language called Javagai in grade eight, which was, which I actually highly recommend. I think it's a good idea to remember what land, you know, yeah. Yeah, well, the, uh, well, the, um, the, the language is, um, and especially in Australia, there's so many lost languages. There's so many lost languages. There's hundreds of them. It's such a monoculture, lost. the fact that we only speak English, and I think that in Europe, you know, it's it's quite common for people to speak at least three languages, mm. and I feel like we lose something just... Yeah. I mean, I can speak multiple forms of bogan, and I'm proud of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very fluent in bogan. <laughs> I'm very fluent in bogan, too. Does that count? I do actually know a little bit of Indonesian. The only <laughs> do Indone- you? Yeah, the only Indonesian I remember is because um, um, we had to learn how to say um, stop and put your hands in the air. How right. do you say stop, put your hands in the well, air? Well, I can't remember how to say that, but yeah. I turned it into the song. Remember that um, song, uh, put your hands up in the air, put your hands up in the air. So I can do that in Indonesian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's up, um, tuck, um, tuck, um, tuck, um, tuck, um, tuck, um, tuck. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's the only thing I remember in Indonesia. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> That's probably not even right. <laughs> I, I, I can't even... I My Indonesian is so poor now, I couldn't tell you whether it was right or not. I know enough to say I don't know what you're talking about or I can mm-hmm. speak poorly, but I can count. But, um, yeah, but, it, you know, as you said, you don't use it, you lose it, right? Yeah, and then, it's true. It's like, a, yeah. it's like a muscle. If you don't uh, exercise totally it, it like just disappears. But if you went back and you learnt, you'd probably know how to sing that song amazingly, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I'd pick it up straight away. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, but so you, was, you said you were studying physics. Oh yeah, so um, so those were my. How do you end up studying physics? Um, because I <laughs> like being a, in school, being, being really it. clever in school, and going, yeah. I want to, I want to be a physics major. It's it was it a physics fun. major. Well, I no, my first attempt at a degree was um, was science and law. It was um, it was at James Cook Uni. I, rege- I remember I got an offer to study law and international business somewhere in 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 Brisbane and it was too far from home for me. I, I, I was very young when I graduated. I was 16 and mm. I was underage and it was very scary, the thought of being that far away from home. So I accepted an offer to study at JCU um, to do a science law degree and the and the dean had said to me, we'll convert the science degree to a medical degree once we've got the medical school open because I wanted, I thought, okay, I'll try to be a doctor and a lawyer. <laughs> I don't know why. Make my mum happy. Because I, I still didn't want to choose. It was actually, it's really funny. I think it's really tough, the pressure on kids to know what they want to do with the rest totally. of their lives in high school. Absolutely. It's so much pressure. I just can't, you just do your five subjects and just, you know, I had so much fun, but having to narrow it down and you don't know. I still I haven't figured it out. I still haven't figured it out. I'm, like, how should, <laughs> How are you expected to know as a teenager? Um, so yeah, I just I guess it was. I guess some people do because people open. do. Some people, no, some that, people do. That's right. true. And if they do and they can and they're happy, that's so amazing. Mm. I'm so happy for them. But a, there are a lot of people that don't. And it's yeah, a lot of I'm definitely one of those people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm still I, I want to do everything. I want to do everything. I can tell you, yeah, don't lawyer and a doctor. Box. Why not? Well, I feel <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep all the doors open. Um, <laughs> so crazy. Um, and. Yeah, so I went there and what happened then? Oh, but I learned about so many things, you know. I studied medical physiology, I studied psychology, I studied law of the sea, I learned about Marbo because that was the law side of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I learned really funny things like if you're flying from New South Wales to Queensland and there's like a crime that happens on the flight, if you don't know where, which part of the state line you're on, it's either maybe it's prosecutable, maybe it's not. Like it was. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a movie in that. 
I'm sure there's a movie in that Murderer, not executive feet. decision though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Except it'd be like going over to Surface Paradise, you know. What could go what could Service, go wrong does go wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Surface Paradise lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, there we go. I think, I got the I think title. we're starting to come up with some gold here. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's absolute gold. <laughs> and then I and then I got sick. Um I spent a year there and I got I actually had an accident. I had a disc pop out of my back and I became temporarily paralyzed. And um well, that fucking sucks. It totally sucked. It got it gets worse, but um, it, not for that. And then I was forced to um, go back to Cairns and I spent my second year at uni doing part-time only and I was a disabled student. Um, and but the, Because there were so many hours where you're sitting and it's like three-hour lecture here, three-hour lecture there, and when you've got a disc injury like that, mm-hmm. sitting, people will know with back problems, can is the worst on your back. And then the doctor yeah, yeah. was like, you have to take some time off. You need a year off at the end of the second year of my uni. Um, where I was still in so much pain and they're like, you need to take a year off and rest your back. You can do anything but sit in a chair for extended periods of time. And it's like, if you don't do that, the disc could rupture and you can end up permanently in a wheelchair. And because of that, because of the adversity of this disc popping out was literally how I found myself with one year to do anything I wanted that my parents wouldn't, you know, they obviously they were happy about the law, doc, you know, the mm-hmm. law thing. And, um, and I thought, oh, maybe that drama, maybe I should give that drama thing a go. And I don't ask me how I did it because I don't. It's like I don't even know how I did it. But I went down to Sydney, and I remember trying a few drama school. I try a few drama schools. I remember rocking up to one drama school, and I interrogated the guy on his lunch break who ran the school. And I had no, I had no idea how to audition at this point. I think the only reason I got the High School Musical was because I sang a song that was half okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, know, I didn't know how to act. I didn't know how to act at that point. I'd just gotten really lucky with my little experiences. And, and I just sat there and I'm like, is this school good? You know, basically, grilled him as to, is this school good enough for me? Does it have this? Does it have that? Does it teach me this and that? And he just sat there. I remember his name was Tony and he just smoked this thing <laughs> while I just grilled him. And he answered all of my questions fantastically. And at the end of it, I'm like, okay, he'd satisfy. I'm like, how do I, how do I audition? And he's like, He's like, you've got a place if you wanted it's yours. And I just went, oh. And probably it was because this young chump from far north Queensland had no idea how things worked in the big smoke and just he thought she's got chutzpah. So did you go to this I went to this school? school and after the end of this first year, I just, it gave me, the thing is, I've always been a girl who's been really good at textbooks and I know how to answer questions. And if you ask me about osmosis or whatever it was, I'd be able to, in my brain, go, blah, okay, blah. And, but that doesn't give you the answers to life. Then I think mm. there was something in art, just in terms of, expression of self or something greater than what I could articulate in mm. in the textbooks that I'd studied and I thought that that was it was something outside of my comfort zone it was something that was unknown and it was something that was challenging and I thought this is going to crack me open in a really good way yeah. and so after that first year I decided not to go back after the year, my family were very supportive and then after that first year I, and they said so you're going back to uni now and I went you know what no and, I, and then I may have become the black sheep of the family for a few oh. years. It was rough. It was tough. You go do the law degree. No. no. And, and, you know, for a girl who'd prided, prided herself on, you know, having her family be proud of her, that was actually mm. really tough. Um, they've since come around. But yeah, but you've got to find your way. Yeah, and, and you, you know, and your, your parents want what's best for you. And, of course. of course, they could see, like, no stability in my future. What is she doing? She has some brains in her head. Why is she throwing this all away to be an artist? You mm. know, my, my daughter's going to starve. So I totally, like... <laughs> but it was really, you know, I just, I, it took a lot of courage for me to take that step. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of courage for me to keep on taking that step. And mm-hmm. even as the years go by, it still takes courage to choose to do what scares you and what fulfills you. Like, I think yeah, totally. the tougher road 
Like, this is not the easy road. That's why I'm like, if you can be happy doing something else, you should just go. I don't know if any road's easy, though. Like, I <laughs> no, think they're I all hard. So. And that's I think that's the illusion of it all. You go, well, this is a harder road. I won't go that yeah. road. I'll go the easier road. And I, I think... Um, it's very, something yeah. very character-building about the challenges. Not that yeah. we love having challenges. Sometimes it's nice to just cruise on easy street for a while. Totally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so um, can't we just pause button on life? Can't we just stop the challenges for a while and just have a holiday? Yeah, it well... It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I did the drama school and then... I was still Wasn't a teenager. That, so, was the drama school? It was... Um, um, the Australian Academy of Dramatic Art. It's no longer. Uh, it's actually no longer around. It's been okay. bought by the Australian Institute of Music, mm-hmm. um, and they've turned it into a Bachelor of Performance, um, uh, which was architect. Uh, which I think was architected, if that's not really a word, by um, a professor uh, from my where I studied later at Sydney University doing my performance study d- studies degree. They, um, I think, they got him to also draft this performance studies. Uh, sorry, this Bachelor of Performance for like acting students. Did I even explain that right? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> basically, Ada was about training you. It was really good. It was one of those things where you, they teach you to be producers as well. And um, we learned about editing. Um, we learned about, you know, being really proactive in your own careers. And we mm-hmm. made, you know, I made a lot of connections with my fellow classmates and we ended up shooting a heap of stuff. Like a, um, one of my classmates uh, was a guy called uh, Brian Cobb, who's a producer now, uh, mm-hmm. who does, he's, he recently did a feature film starring one of my act, old acting teachers, which was pretty awesome. Um, but, you know, like we made stuff. So I remember I shot, um, I co-directed a video clip uh, with someone and it was his brother's band. And, you know, we had just, just we all participated in it, you know, and mm. we just got to make stuff. And not, not that all of it was amazing, but it was just yeah. coming together and making stuff. And that's the part. I, that's one of the parts I like about doing it is you're making things. Yeah. I like making things. Yeah, totally. I like and making things that make people. Well, happy. you learn about so much. Like, there's only so much you can learn in theory in or in a classroom. Yeah. You, you know, there's stuff. And that was the other thing that I learned as well um, in drama school. So I think in second year I started putting myself out there for auditions in um, student films, like so Macquarie Uni afters and all that kind of. Mm-hmm stuff and I made more connections there and I remember on set it was like I would see the director really wanting something from the other actor and but communicating it in a way that didn't make sense for the actor so the director mm-hmm. would say something like you know I need you to be more upset here mm-hmm. you know and the actor's kind of like I that's a I need to you know how am I feeling about my child my fictitious child or whatever like mm-hmm. give me something that is the character I can use give me a reference to that give me yeah. a reference and and so I could see um it was trying to get to the same effect but they were essentially it felt like that they were speaking two different languages and I remember that really fascinated me I thought and I've got to not learn more about this behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. so that's how I ended up um you know, I also, in, in addition to sort of acting in shorts, uh, various student shorts and stuff, I ended up volunteering behind the scenes to do crew stuff as well. And that's how I got my first, well, yeah, I got a producing credit for, um, you know, I started out as a runner actually on this one. It was a Macquarie Uni film called Book of Josh and it starred this great actor. He was very, very young at the time and he's since gone on to do some amazing Shakespeare. Lindsay Farris. Oh my gosh, is it really okay if I'm dropping names like this? Big shout out to Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Was Another a, one with a shout out. Extremely, extremely talented young kid in that at the time, and um, and I came on board as a runner, and the director Rafe, who was a super lovely human being, um, I ended up 
you know, doing spons- getting sponsorship of bakery. You know, I was doing all this. Just I just went above and beyond, and I ended up sort of getting promoted to. Mm-hmm. I think it was second AD, and then at the end, he gave me a producer credit and the thing. And I was just like, oh, you got so a nice. producer credit on. Uh, yeah. you started as a runner and you came out a producer. <laughs> that is pretty intense. <laughs> well, you know, not that I, I didn't ask for it. It was just a very a beautiful way of saying thank you and a reflection. I, I would hope it was a fair reflection mm. of the work that I put in on it, but it was really just you know learning a lot of skills about how what is needed for a production and I remember you know with the extras who were there I you know it was just extremely important to me to welcome them and thank them for their time and also take them through this story and make them feel invested you know so that they knew what they were doing because I'd seen on other sets you know people sometimes uh, treat extras with not the best respect mm-hmm. but they're human we're all here like we're all we're all stardust baby we're all here on this planet yeah, wanting true. to we're all equally deserving of dignity and respect and I just you know it was very very important to me that whoever I was working with um, was made to feel very welcome and enjoyed the experience and so I did my very best to take care of yeah, well, that's what, it, it's all about the experience, right? Yeah, totally. Um But I, I, have, I have, like, I'll describe you as uh, someone who's a blue flamer. It's just um, a red hot, ready to get stuff done, right? <laughs> and I actually had a, a similar experience as a director where I had this um, young lady on set, started as a runner. By yeah. the end of the day, she was first AD. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm oh. like, wow, you'd, you're kicking everyone's ass here right now. You're now the boss. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But in a good way, Big hopefully. shout out to Casey. Big shout out to Casey. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's good when you... When when you see talent like that, you go like, yeah, promote them straight away. Well, it's, yeah, give, give them give them more to work on because it's about being hungry, right? Yeah. Because you've gone into that hungry, yeah. And the more hungry you are, the more people will give you. Well, yeah. I hope, well, I don't know. I just, I just, it works. Is yeah. that how it works? Okay. It is. I think it is. Whether it's on a conscious or subconscious um, uh, um, uh, plane, you know, yeah. um, that's generally how it works. The more hungry you are, the more you're gonna yeah. go want. That's, that brings me to my other point, though, is um, sometimes when you watch, uh, when you see people talking about being in the industry, you sort of, some people go, you need to be doing classes all the time, you need to always be hungry, you need to be pursuing stuff, and I find that long term, that's not sustainable to be always operating at DEFCON, what's the highest level of DEFCON? It's not nine, DEFCON one, DEFCON nine. I think DEFCON one. one is World War Three. Okay, so maybe DEFCON three. You don't need to yeah. be operating at DEFCON three all the time. It's, you know, everything ebbs and flows, everything's a season, like, so, you know, it's that whole thing of, like, the monsoon, when it rains, it pours, but then sometimes nothing's going on and mm. how do you, you know, how do you get through the droughts how do you get through the droughts and that's mm. a very valid question that happens a lot and you know again you you do need to find your own way through i go and get myself a job that's what i do <laughs> I uh run out of money and i go and get a nine to fiver until i can get that's out of it and get back working fantastic that's why commercials are yeah fantastic. i'm trying to i'll do um, i've done a few commercials but i'm trying to get to do more mm. to do more commercials um but hopefully got a few things in the scope for next year so yeah that's, that's awesome yeah, yeah well yeah and you can find day jobs i also i mean Oh, going back to uni, so I graduated, uh, sorry, drama school, and then I had a couple of years of really tough unemployment, and then I landed my very first, um, my first proper job, which was um, uh, touring Australia, for, which ended up going for two and a half, uh, two years doing theatre and education, and it was wow. literally me and my then boyfriend at the time, um, he was an actor as well, um, and we just in the car with with props for five, sh- uh, th- four shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a science show, there was a cultural show, there was a mime show, and then there was another. What was the other show? Tolerance about tolerance. You know, stuff to do with the learning curriculum. Mm-hmm. And got paid very nicely to 
essentially car trip around Australia. Oh, yeah? And, Sounds um, horrible. Yeah, it was, oh, it was a terrible mural. No. <laughs> You're terrible mural. You're a terrible mural. Um, and it was really funny because I just remember thinking, oh, man, you know, this will do until I get to, like, crack it in the big world of TV or whatever. And I was so wrong. It was the biggest eye-opening experience of my life. I learned very hard, uh, very, like, very early in the piece that kids don't give a crap about Stanislavski or technique. You just better be riveting now. And, you know. <laughs> Perhaps and, they don't care. Yeah, I reckon you got a point care. there. I have some horror stories. I have some terrible horror stories of, like, how bad I was as an actor. But, I mean, I also had some very good feedback as well. But I just remember one. Oh, there's so many. No, there's actually so many. <laughs> but, like, bus shelter, that's what I'm saying. That's why, you know, we perform. Um, it it kind of opened my eyes to the disparity that was that's apparent in various um educational facilities mm-hmm. like you have some schools that have so much money that mm-hmm. their theater is better than the stc and then you have other schools that have so little that you were performing in a bus shelter mm-hmm. and people you know um are driving six hours from their rural community to come and see you perform at the bus shelter yeah, in wow. 47 degree heat and wow you know it just it really i had a i guess not only did the scales fall from my eyes in terms of seeing a picture of Australia that I didn't necessarily see represented in the news or mainstream media, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it wised me up as a grew me up, I think, in yeah, a good yeah. way, in a good way. But it was yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, well, as as <laughs> so as they call it, you, you got a bit woke. I got a bit woke. Well, right. I don't know. Well, I Is did woke. woke I, I think so. Right. Is that the word? Do I have that right? <laughs> I think that's. I think right. that's right. I think that's great. It, it, yeah. <laughs> so, and I still don't know. Like, there's still. Um, like there's resonances from that experience that still stay with me today. And, and I, you know, just also because you see kids in tough situations mm. and you can't, you want as a person, you obviously, you care, you know, you want them to do good and you want them to have the best future. And, and I just noticed that in some parts of Australia, depending on the situation that, you know, some kids had a much better head start than others and it just broke my heart. Yeah, well, uh, but that's how it rolls, man. That's how it rolls. It is. It, look, it's, this world is not fair. It's not a meritocracy. You know, that's that's the other thing too. Um, you know, some actors, there are some amazing talented actors that I know and amazing human beings and mm-hmm. they never get a break. And then there are some that just were in the right place at the right time. That's how it happens as well. Yeah. So the other thing is don't judge your worth as a human by your external successes or not. I think you know, you, there's only so much you have control over and it's not necessarily when the phone's going to ring. So Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. You know, like, um, yeah, you do you. You, you know what I mean? You totally You do you. you. Yeah. And if you, if you are happy with you, then you're doing all right. That's it. And if you've got people around you, I mean, th- these are the main things I'd say. You know, you're asking what do you do in the, with the tough times. It's like, well, have you got the basics in place where you have a roof over your head mm-hmm. and you can feed yourself? You have people who love you. You know, you're looking after your mental and emotional well-being as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Get the basics sorted, you'll be okay. But you yeah. need to get the basics sorted, and people forget about that sometimes. Well, I think I really... Well, if I was to have any words of wisdom to anyone, I, I would say, you know, learn to enjoy your own company. Yeah. Learn to enjoy... <laughs> Absolutely. The, you know, if you can enjoy your own company, then other people will enjoy your company. Is that how it goes? Yeah, yeah I, I think, think so. I think so. Like, because if you can, if you can stand yourself, yeah, other people will probably put up with you as well. Yeah, we'll see that, and that's the other thing about art. You need sometimes there's a, there's some very long nights of the soul staring into the abyss, and yeah. I think artists' job is to sort of show that. I think. Well, like you were talking before, you know, you're studying to be a lawyer, studying oh, yeah. to potentially be a doctor. Now, um, laws are, are what govern us and what gives us society, right? Gives us structure. Uh, medicine is what heals us, that makes us live longer, and um, oh, art. Yes. You yeah. know, um, that's that's the reason, yeah. right? Isn't that the reason? Like, 
Um, what are we doing? Why, why do we want to prolong our lives? And, and why? Because certainly we would look at the beauty in things. We look at the romance in things, you mm. know, and that's what art does. It, yeah. it, it reflects how we feel as human beings. And, and yeah. it's all subjective as well. Like we, we could look at a picture and think totally different things Absolutely. and it'd be affected different ways. Absolutely. Like an art too. Like, you know, uh, someone can put a theatre show on and, you know, if there's if there's 100 people in the audience or 500 people in the audience, each person is experiencing that play mm-hmm. through their own prism, through their own experiences. And so, you know, there'll be a scene that plays out about whatever it is and, mm-hmm. you know, someone will be really lanced in the gut by one aspect of that scene. Someone else may not resonate with that so much and sort of resonate more with another character. It's, yeah, I think art, I guess that's, but that's like good conversation. The best stuff happens in the spaces between, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's what, that's what it's all about. It's all about, um, uh, you know, exploring that inner space. Yeah. And then I think that you look at the signs, what we should be doing is like, you know, looking after our space. I think yes. that's pretty important at the moment. So true. Um, but, uh, but absolutely be exploring outer space. Oh, well, that's, well, that brings me to, oh, okay. So after my, um, that, that's what brings me to my physics and my environmental, um, other, you know, uh, philosophy and all that other stuff later was, so I had my stint at, I had my first little attempt at uni, had a, had a disc pop out that was, that set me on to be an actor, which I love, which, you know, through adversity, I found what I think was my path, mm-hmm. had a great job. Uh, the phone started ringing and, um, I was unable to make these audition callbacks, like these callbacks. So there'd be like one was a kid's show and I remember sending in a tape and obviously with the amount of experience, because we toured, I would have performed, I did the math ages ago and it was like maybe 50,000 kids across Australia. We'd performed shows to 50,000 wow. kids and, and and the minimum was generally 120 per show. So that was a lot of shows. That's a lot of shows. That's a lot of shows. And it was like from primary school to high school and it was learning how to um, deliver the same content to from five-year-olds to 16 17 18 year olds and not be patronizing to them and sometimes at the same time and you know it was a massive learning but yeah uh, so i did this tape for a um kids tv show and they were like you're on the short list we want you to come we want you to come this and i couldn't because i was driving from townsville across the border to the northern territory like mm. um couldn't do it and so my partner my then partner and i was like okay we've we've loved this gig it's been fantastic but we don't want to do this forever we want to it's time to maybe settle back down in Sydney but it was like oh do I really want to be a waitress or a bartender again like I'd done I, I sort of I'd done that and it was great mm-hmm. but what else can I do and I um and I watched this show and it was like this new agey thing called what the bleep do we know and it had like some very maverick oh, no who physicists. the bleep who the who the bleep are we no what the bleep do we know what the bleep do we know yeah and, and had some very maverick quantum physicists that was sort of um mix m- mixing quantum physics theory with new age kind of metaphysical philosophy yeah stuff. we're all connected but we're not connected so, yeah and yeah, i remember yeah. i remember this yeah <laughs> and based on that i was like oh that sounds really interesting why don't i i think i'd like to study this quantum physics thing a bit further and I applied and I got a scholarship to study physics at, at, at Sydney Uni and I, I was like oh my gosh oh that's the law of attraction and then of course I went to so study this is physics. after touring around Australia yeah so doing, coming that was my wow. proper job I actually got a I so mean, you bounce from doing acting to going do you know what no but that was I think I'll, I'm going to do that quantum <laughs> physics thing yeah. I'm like you know that's up my alley but that was my backup <laughs> that was my job that was like what can I do that gives me relative stability mm-hmm. um, that expands me and grows me but isn't as boring as being a waitress essentially no, I shouldn't say boring. Wait, I mean, waitressing is really hard and I had a bad back and I didn't want to be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so it was something that would have been more enriching than going back to have, you know, my previous adventures uh, in that area. Yeah, so I went and did that and I figured, you know, oh, if an audition comes up, I can skip a lecture. You know, it's yeah, pretty yeah, sure. that. So that was my that was my employment plan. Is I was a scholarship student to study this thing and I that went fine for a while until... 
Um, and then I was actually, you know, I was getting some auditions and stuff. And I remember I got a, I got a, I got an audition for a TV show, and I didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. But the casting director, right? Um, that dog uh, is killing me. Is, is that dog, dog killing is you? Like it's right out there, right behind, right behind us. You have very good hearing. I'm over at this side of the desk, and I can barely hear. I can hear through the mic. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got supersonic hearing. You do totally. Yeah, sorry, I've distracted you. No, I've distracted you. So we. um, Thinking about the dog now. (laughs) 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 No. And I was in Newtown the other day, and like not 20 meters, like there was dog after dog after dog after dog. It was just. Was that yesterday? Dogs are amazing. Uh, That was a couple. That was Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. Um, At uh, Sydney Uni, they had a. uh, It was the day. Oh no, it wasn't just Sydney Uni. It was everywhere. Yeah. Um. It was. uh, Are you okay? Day. Yeah. Right. And um. Oh, they had some sort of slang for it um, to do with a paw. It was a um, it was a pun, a pun on paws. Um, oh, P-A-W versus P-O-O-R? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, but it was a pun to do with paws, like, you know, paws on you or something oh, like P-O-U-R-S. that. Oh, P-O-U-R-S. Okay, yep, yep. Um, but they had the dogs all through town because they encouraged you to go out and pat the dogs so you, uh, and ask you, uh, you know, are you okay? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so they're using com- comfort animals. Was, yeah. Maybe that was oh, so gorgeous. It's just dogs of all shapes and sizes, and I was like, it was hilarious. I think people take comfort animals too far sometimes. Like I was looking at this uh, like story from the states where there was this chick trying to take a, a peacock onto a plane. Oh, well, that was a bit out over the top. Really? Yeah, yeah I've heard a lot of yes. <laughs> That's weird. This is my comfort peacock. Well, okay. If you can get away with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she didn't. Um, <laughs> but I know that some people do need comfort animals as well, mm. quite legitimately. So yeah, totally. But I guess it's like it's where the, where does that zone end, right? And to what extreme do people need to say actually no? That's that's not okay. Well, can, can you have it like a comfort giraffe? I think that's going Would too that fit far. Fit on an aeroplane? I don't think so. Oh, poor giraffe. <laughs> well, how do they fly around? They must fit on an aeroplane. How do they do it? I don't know. I mean, is it legal to tra- transport ele- uh, giraffes from? Do they? Maybe it's like. Well, they're at the zoo. Maybe it's like ship, though. Yeah, maybe by ship. I don't think in. I don't think a giraffe would travel very well on an aeroplane. No. I could be wrong. Maybe I could be totally wrong. I don't know. Maybe there's a really big ship. Somewhere. Actually, no. We asked you to look something up before. How many hours are there in a year? Did we get that? <laughs> yeah, you're actually about thirteen hundred hours off. Yeah, thirteen hundred hours off. So yeah, it was eighty-seven hundred. Um, hours in a year. 8,700. So, two, you know, three years. Three but that's years. 24-7, isn't it? That's not even a normal Yeah, I know, but week. if you split, you know, if you extrapolate that over, you yeah. know, um, you know, three to five years, if yeah. you were at it every day, yeah. you know, um, okay. and slept. So you could be an expert in three to five years. Yeah. Maybe a decade. Maybe let's go five years, half a decade. Half a decade. Half a decade. That's five years, folks. Yeah. Work on it for five years, you'll be an expert. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um... Gosh, giraffes, that's hilarious. I'm going to go dreaming of giraffes and aeroplanes now. Yeah. Um, well, that could be part of the aeroplane movie that we're going to make over the Gold Coast. To- oh, yeah. Um, uh, Service Paradise Lost. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like this idea. Yeah. It's a great I idea. Think, I think we've got gold here, man. Yeah, yeah. That's a great idea. Well, speaking of gold, like, you've done so many films, so many short films, so many TV shows. Um, just to rattle off a few, like, on uh, TV, you've done, uh, you're an extra in Rake, which no, is like... No, oh, no, speaking role. Speaking, speaking role. role in Rake. Yeah. Wow. My like, only extra job, my only extra job like was... an ABC... Was, um... Like, um, gold, you know, that's an ABC uh, dime in that show. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It was very well received. That was a speak. it was a little co-star role. My only extra role in a film was the Paradise Road one, and then, and then my... My commercial, well, commercial extras are a bit different than um, film extras, but yeah, I had a 
My, anyway, that's another story. Yeah, no, no, there's no, a no, massive no. list. Yeah, well, yeah, um, uh, deadly women. You've done a lot of deadly women. Yeah, it's very uh, Dark minds, um, all your theatre stuff, like, a, you know, um, Julius Caesar. Um. Yeah, I played Casca. That was a gender-swapped version. Um, Casca's actually a male character, and my director, Deborah Mulhall, who's an amazing playwright, shout-out mm-hmm. to Deb, um, she decided to make Casca female, and... Um, it just the, the the relationship between Cassius and Casca just all of a sudden made a whole lot more sense. Let's just say, yeah, okay. Thought it was two bros, but if you make her, if you make it like a romantic relationship, it just lends a whole new yeah, level of total different spin. Well, well yeah. yeah, well that that spot was with Mold, right? And uh, when we met, yeah, it was about um, uh, swapping gender ideas about what gender is. Absolutely, and which was fascinating. Yeah, uh, well, uh, it was a while since I was in the director's chair. Was uh, it? Yeah, I hadn't directed for like. Uh, 18 months before that really? uh, before that short film uh, before that web series I wouldn't yeah. have picked that at all yeah oh, I hope you had a good experience like I want to make a good experience that's what it's about fantastic experience what are you talking about like you were saying before like it's about, it's about making <laughs> it's a good totally experience like, yeah and look you know I've had, been on my share of sets where you know people the people that value you and the people you know the people that have the right values mm. that are similar to yours I guess they're, they're your tribe that you sort of want to mm-hmm. keep good connections with and then there are others that maybe treat people not so great and you're like oh, okay I'll do my best you know, but I'm not going to I hear these again. stories a lot from actors and uh, other crews yeah. um, I've actually it's actually given me a crazy idea like I'm like well I was thinking about you know being an extra yeah and going on to other people's sets to see how other people direct just to just to be a bit of a spy you know take the whatever job you can get on a, on a crew yeah. runner anything usually what runners the bottom of the heap I shouldn't say the bottom of the heap you know what I mean there's a hierarchy it's the entry it's, it's the entry to film yeah well ex- yeah. not the bottom of the heap it's no. the entry it's but an well, entryway it's a doorway to my, to my <laughs> sadness I, my, my experience tends to be that people that I'm friends with who work as extras generally they don't get treated with great respect and I'm just like oh man that's really awful it shouldn't be like that no, but I guess I, I just want to look at um, through a different lens of seeing how other directors and other crews work because yeah. I hear so many different well, that's contrasts. The thing. When you're a director, it's actually really isolating, isn't it? Like you can't. You don't know what you don't you know don't outside know. yourself. If you're an actor, you get to work on a ton of different productions. Yeah, as a yeah. Director, you're you stuck can't. in your own yeah. crew. You like I it. think it's really good. Don't get me wrong. I love my crew. Like um, the crew that we use to when yeah. we do um, uh, um, creative productions and corporate productions, yeah. whatever they are, yeah. they're fantastic. They're yeah. great to work with. I surround myself with people that I want to work with. Yeah. Um, you could shadow a director. Like I've um, like I've grown massively as a director because I've been mentored by some amazing people. Um, yeah, you know, and I've got to see... Oh, well, another shout-out to another guy. Um, there's a te- uh, there's a teacher... Uh, I was doing my performance studies degree, mm-hmm. slash physics and whatever, and because um, uh, I'm also trained as a dramaturg, that was through my performance studies trend, so mm-hmm. I've done some script editing work as well. But anyway, in one of the courses, um, one of the caseworks was you know, observing a rehearsal in action. It was directed by a really amazing director called Arnie Nimi. Mm-hmm. And um, he, oh, man, you want to hear some really badass directing stuff? Yeah. This guy, do you remember Blue Healers? Yes. Okay, so there was one uh, There was one show where... Um, it Maggie was and like, the Big Sergeant. I don't know what... No, yeah. Was it Maggie? Yes. Pretty sure it was Maggie, yeah. Yeah, um, but there was one episode that was live to air. Mm-hmm. Like live, t- I don't think oh, you wow, understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's like you live, mean live, 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 actually live, live. This is pre-streaming. This is broadcast TV. Cut to the ad break, and then they get to scramble to the next location. And when they are live, the camera, like all the actors, like he helmed that. 
he wow. helmed that episode and it was brilliant. Live action is really hard to do, especially when you go filming. But live action it. drama, like live a action drama. drama. Yeah, live action drama like, that you're filming is, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. That's an insane thing And he's to done do. a, if you, if you, I am to be, he's done a ton of other, and he's the most humble, amazing human. And um, yeah, so he, I, you know, I learned some of his directing style through uni. And then um, there was a theatre festival uh, of short plays where, because I had another accident um, and, I, and I just popped out. This is what... Well-travelled and accident-prone. That's what I'm getting from you. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, having the accidents or surviving the accidents. Um, yeah, but I ended up having another deviation as I to take a break because of my back and um, mm-hmm. thought, oh, well, why don't I try directing? And I, um, I put my hand in and directed this little 10-minute piece and he was directing a piece in the same week and I was like, oh. Okay. And he said, you're going to win this. And I was like, what? No, <laughs> like, are you serious? You're, I, I idolise you. You've done amazing work and I'm just, how are you even in this festival directing? I mean, he, he directed an amazing piece too, mm. right? And I won. I won the week. And I got profiled on a TV show as a director and I'm like and it was all fantastic but anyway based on that little play that I did he's like come and would you like to come and be my assistant director on a, on a theatre play that I'm producing in uh, that's going to be down in Canberra Theatre and I was like sure that would be great and so I learned you know based on the generosity of people who have been in the industry for ages and you know they spot talent that they think deserves some nurturing yeah. I've been so blessed I, you know I got to learn about the craft of theatre directing through this guy and, mm-hmm. and then later on he um another time as well uh, I think he was filming a pilot and I got to be an attachment on that I just just got to learn about his film directing as well and you know I never went to film school mm. I've learned as I've I went to drama school but I've also learned as I've gone well just going back to film school you were talking about they were teaching you about editing cinematography that was at drama school though yeah but I think that's that's thing that they, they, they don't teach a lot of people I think no. one thing that's missing like out of a lot of people that I've talked to um, on and off the podcast is um, the business element that misses that's missing from artistic yeah. uh, instruction yeah. like you can teach someone how to perform on stage and how to reference and look at how other people have done it before and you can do that with cinematography editing directing but no one really shows you the business the real model. world they don't how to, how don't. yeah there's a massive industry separation between those two things yeah um the only the only reason that i sort of got a, a leg into doing it because i was running bands yeah. and, and doing shows and then yeah. when i apply that acumen to doing film yeah they're interchangeable and so it was actually you know on the job self-training that got me there well that's what we did i mean you know we learned about how to act in drama school we learned a little bit about editing and stuff but then we went off and made stuff with our with our mates yeah that's it just go out and make it and then figure it out yep. um and you'll run into all of those um problems uh that come along the way you know um yeah. advertising problems uh venue problems yeah um but there's also people skills there's also like yeah it's all communication it's all communication. And that's where it comes down to the experience. If people have a shit experience, they'll mm. go, fuck that guy, man. I ain't working with that guy ever again. <laughs> yeah, no, word spreads. The word does spread, certainly. Yeah. Um, you want to you want to be someone that go, man, when are you going to do another production, man? <laughs> you got to do a production. When are you doing a production? That's like, really true. When you get around to it, man, I need a little bit, of, little bit of spondula, a little bit of time. We'll get it done. <laughs> I think repeat. I mean, I, I see that's why people work with people that they've worked in the past because you know that they're good you know what they can do yeah it's compre- you, they're confirmed them. yeah yeah they're confirmed absolutely uh, but just going through your resume again like wow like um repeat directors by the way because i've been lucky enough where people are like want to work with me again they'll, uh, they'll recommend me to projects yeah and I'll get that as well yeah but you know uh, look um abandoned wench uh dr jones jack data 
uh, Comedy of Errors, Binary Stars and Best Lives, um, The Age of Entitlement, Two oh, Chairs. Oh, that was an immersive theatre production. That's where I met more blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was amazing. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just, okay, that's just, I haven't even got through the list. <laughs> I, I think I'll just skip past to the next list. So, I think we did a lot of your TV work. Um, Most of that stuff, except for Rake, all of my TV stuff has gone to the States. I found that it's been mm-hmm. really hard to break into Australian TV. The landscape is absolutely changing, but... Yeah, it's in a transition. It's totally in a transition, and there's you can see the fragmentation of all all of that. I think Western Sydney is one of those hubs. That's why, like, we're onto doing this, you know. Um, You know, especially with Made in the West. You know, we just see all these artists everywhere, and we're like, right, let's just get them all in one room. Let's figure out how we can make something big. Yeah. Um, And let's do that big thing, and then do the next big thing, and do a whole bunch of small things, and then make that a big thing. Yeah. It's just so much inspiring, Ross. I have to say, like, I did Western Sydney stuff or Blue Mountains Film Festival stuff, Mm -hmm. like before. Like, by the time I think you started Made in the West, I was already transitioning to ads and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but, yeah, no, th- th- that's that's it, isn't it? It's that building relationships and developing that camaraderie and making yeah. stuff that's reflective of our voices, right? Yeah. Um, uh, create your own pathways. Create your own doorway. Yeah. And walk through it. And, yeah. and, and then encourage... Or jackhammer your- a window or abseil in through the roof. Yeah, yeah, or right? base jump into that shit, you Why know? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm down for some base jumping. I, I think I've, <laughs> I, oh, I think I, 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 I've always wanted to um, uh, skydive and um, I always said to myself I'd never go base jumping really but now I've, uh, this year I've started saying to myself you know what I'll go base jumping I'm really Something risk in my old age now I was down with the crocodiles and now I'm just it's going like, the other way I just want to be I just want to be on the couch watching some stuff man I used to be quite cautious in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. oh it's the reverse for you yeah, mm. yeah take more risks Oh. Do, do, do more crazy stuff. Maybe you've got a parasite in your brain. That's eating away at me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, because I'm working on a storyline with that, and apparently gender, I was just doing some studies on this real-life parasite that I'm hoping to eventually maybe do a mm-hmm. compelling story on. Um, but, yeah, the, apparently the dudes, it, it made um, the women more um, people-pleasy and more, like, mm-hmm. attract, like, yeah, and then the guys were more uh, open to taking risks, so... Yeah, okay. You've got a parasite in your brain. I do have a parasite right. in my brain. We should, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Bogan lost. Bogan um, lost. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to go on our, go our aeroplane feature film. But you got, yeah, there's so many short films as well. Like, uh, what is it? Uh, number one at Apocalypse Box Office. Yeah, that was a teaser for a feature film. We were hoping that that would get funding for a feature that never fell through but I met I worked with some amazing people who are still mm-hmm. kicking it oh, here we go we've got it up we've got oh. it up we got it up on screen oh, for yeah, you oh yeah that's me there you are can you see Kat Hoyos on the right playing my little sister she's ended up after that literally after this shot uh, mm-hmm. this job she um ended up landing here come the Habibs and that was the second time oh, I've worked right with her yeah she's a fantastic actress that one um very good human uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's Seton K Smith who's a not this guy oh that's so the guy at like the camera that seems yeah, a yeah. really good comic and yeah, they're all a good bunch of people. That was filmed way west of New South Wales. Way west. Yeah, yeah. Well, another one you did was, uh, what was it, The Mirror? Yes, that one. Uh, did that win anything? I can't remember. It, it got screened at the Blue Mountains Film Festival, I think. So. Is that a Blue Mountains Film? Yeah, it is. It's got it written here. Blue Mountains Film Festival. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a... that's the <laughs> So that's about a girl who's a little bit of a... Well, it's about everybody. It's not just about me, but a whole heap of people who have their lives going about their everyday lives and they look in this mirror that sees their dreams of what they want to be or their worst mm-hmm. fears. So he, she's a bit of a sort of shy little person who's a photographer, but, in yeah, she um, dreams to be 
have people appreciating her rather than her appreciating. Yeah, okay. So she's hiding behind the she's, camera, so looking through the lens, flower. but she's she wants she wants people yeah. to look through well, the lens at her. Yeah, or and you know, I mean, take of it what you will, but yeah. So I think people, yeah, see their worst fears or their dreams or what they need to see for their soul it's not made clear in the film it's up mm-hmm. to the audience to draw their conclusions and so it's not just like there's a whole heap of characters that get traced in the film and that's one of them that the mirror walks past her and that's what she sees okay yeah it's very well, interesting well there's another one i've got here um julia in blue oh yeah that was well that was my western sydney slash blue mountains collaboration mm-hmm. before before you guys came along on the scene um mm-hmm. uh, really great guy called James Phillips. I collaborated with him a few times and we, I made a feature film with him as well, a horror movie that mm. I don't think saw the light of day. Probably, I don't know if that, I, I don't know what happened to it. Um, but that short film that we made. I hate when that happens. I we know, do all this work thing. and it'll yeah. go right there. I know, I know. Oh. Had a really good stunt fall that was a real fall that never, I was like, it was gold and nobody gets to see it now. So, but I got the gravel rush for it. It was horrible. It was like, yeah, yeah. I've got the scars to prove, but yeah. no, no IMDb, man. What's going on? IMDb, what's happening? Yeah, my IMDb is very little compared to what I've actually done. Um, but no, the, that blue was a two-hander um, and it was on the effects of just, it was on, well, blue is the colour of the drink um, when you get date, when you get a, yeah, when you get a, when you get your drink spiked and some of the bad stuff. Oh, is that the date rape drug? Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Heavy and it topic. Was, it was really heavy, and um, but it was really funny. It started out kind of funny because you not not funny, but you sort of see this girl waking up from what you think is a just a really bad night out where she's gotten really drunk and slept with someone, and you kind of like and these um these these kind of titles come up on the screen going hangover and the the, the dictionary definition then vomit blah 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 and. I remember the first time it got screened, you know, people were like, oh, that's right. And then it just, the story started to turn and like, mm. oh, wait a minute. That wasn't like a really drunk. She had a great night and got, mm. you know, she got drugged and she got, and I mean, I'm totally giving away the story here, but. That's I don't okay. Think check it out online. It's online. <laughs> no, you no, no. That's, that's a clip. I think that's just, just a the clip. Promo. That's not the whole thing. Um, yeah. And uh, it, yeah, got best local film at the Blue Mountains Film Festival, which was amazing. And, um, but probably the best thing out of that was that, um, my the James got contacted by some people who had seen it and wanted to show it at schools because I thought it would be enough. Like it was important to sort of yeah okay it. for a bit of education. Well, I don't know. Look, if it saves one person, if that if that was if that was something that got any if that if that did anything to help somebody not be in that situation. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Like there's some grubs out there. There are some to, grubs out there. Yeah, totally. And it's not you know if it happens to anybody, it's not it's not that they should have done anything differently at all. It's not about no, that, but just not at all. it was a pretty tough topic to. But yeah, it got no, a, really it got heavy. a wider audience in the film festival circuit, which I think was really awesome. That well, we're almost out of time, so I'm going to give you one minute to tell me what projects you're currently working on. Oh God, you got one minute. I've got just I've got a little lovely fun little fringe play coming up at the moment called Abandoned Wench mm-hmm. exclamation mark mm-hmm. um, and it's basically about three convict women who and their stories um, you know surviving coming across Australia and one of them we're framing her the character that I play she's a, she basically the penal life is penal colony is so harsh that she she and her husband and some mates steal a boat and they try to escape Australia so technically they're Australia's first boat people. 
but yeah, can't wow. leave Australia. Okay, I can, see, I, I, I can see the twist in that, yeah. Yeah, and then there's another one who ends up marrying a lieutenant and she gets that's how she gets survives her story, mm-hmm. but that's also really intense. And then um, and then the third one is maybe Australia's first pirate. She steals mm-hmm. a ship and becomes a pirate, a legitimate pirate. So that's okay. about these girls and there's some singing, there's some beat poetry stuff. It's like with a millennial twist. So it's, it's going to be fun, I think. So, yeah. Well, look, you've made me wish that I had um, uh, more data uh, to go because I think we could go for another two hours doing this. Yeah, we didn't um, even talk about physics, really. Yeah, we didn't even get into physics. Uh, but look, thank you so much for being on the Pagey Train. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's always great to have your company, and I, I really appreciate what you're doing. And I think you're a very inspiring person to to be going out there and just like you know living on the edge. They say if you you know if you're not standing on the edge, you're taking up too much room. Oh wow, that's a lovely note to end on. Thanks for having me, and mate, here's to future fun collaborations. Right, we cool people. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks, Amelia. We'll see you next time on the Pagey Train. All right. Can you push stop for me there, Nate? Stop, stop, stop. Really quickly. I'm going to go pee. I've left us five minutes so you can do the guitar. Oh, really? Yeah. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I've been waiting for some years.